In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. If you were here last week, you heard Jesus say to us, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, he promises, because the Father has set his seal on him. That gospel we read last week was actually the, a part of John chapter 6, um, a little further in the chapter. What we read today was closer to the beginning of the chapter. And last week we were talking about how that gospel, the church has placed that gospel for us now because we're in this new Coptic month and, and in every month there's some extremely significant event in the life of Christ, which is, you know, salvific, which produces our salvation. And, you know, so during uh, uh, two months ago was Christmas or the Nativity, the Incarnation. And then the previous month, it's the month of Tuba, uh, was Jesus' baptism, revelation of God, theophany, knowing God, the Holy Spirit revealing God to us, and so on. And then during this month is Great Lent. Jesus Christ fasted for us 40 days and 40 nights. So the church is preparing us, is preparing us for this springboard of the year, Holy Lent, the springboard of our spiritual lives. And Jesus tells us, you know, work at least as hard for the bread which endures forever as you do for that which is here today and gone tomorrow. And he was telling the people that because they had chased him around the Sea of Galilee to go find him because he had fed them dinner, which was the feeding of the 5,000. That was the context of last week's gospel. But the church put it for us last week in the first week of the month so that to alert us, to, 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 to give us that, that shocking contrast. How hard do you work for stuff that is here today and gone tomorrow? How hard do you and I work for that which will endure forever? But the context of last week was what was read just now, the feeding of the 5,000, right? And there's something really special about the feeding of the 5,000. And I'm not going to, you know, so, so much could be said. And this gospel is read at least, at least a handful of times throughout the year um, uh, on Sundays. Um, and so much could be said. But in the context of last week that I just shared all with you, Jesus is saying something very special to you and to me. Who fed the 5,000? Well, the, I mean, the disciples did. Jesus gave to the disciples and the disciples gave to them. So where, where did the, the food that the 5,000 ate, where did that come from? That came from Jesus. When Jesus sits at the Last Supper, okay, when he sits at the Last Supper, he says to his disciples, take, eat this is my body the words are the verbs are uh, in the imperative take eat this is my body a friend of mine uh, is a, a priest i have lots of uh, friends who are priests now 
and uh, one of my childhood friends, and um, he, was, he was saying this to me, he was saying to me, it's such a shame that we priests don't receive communion from the hand of another priest. What he's talking about is, so there's one priest who prays the liturgy who's like the main, main priest, okay? He's the celebrant. And then there can be as many other priests who are kind of like, I don't know, extra, right? Like the accessory priests, right? If there's one priest, he's the celebrant and that's it. But if there's other priests, right? Then um, when they come to receive only the celebrant, handles the body okay that's just the rites and rituals of the church there's reasons for it i won't go into it but when the priest when the priest another priest who's not the celebrant is coming to receive holy communion he can't he doesn't handle the body he doesn't touch the body so what does the celebrant do he takes the body he puts it on the spoon which is called the mystere it's that's his prop, prop, proper name because it, it bears the mysteries of God. But anyway, so he puts it on the spoon or the mystere. And then the priest, who's the, not the celebrant priest, picks, picks up the mystere and he gives communion to himself. So my fellow priest, my friend, was saying it's such a shame that once you become a priest, you don't receive communion from the hand of another priest anymore. If there's a bishop, he gives you communion with his hand as a priest. And the bishops do the same thing. There's one bishop who's a celebrant. If there's multiple bishops, the other bishops commune themselves. Why do you think he said that? I had no idea. I kind of passed it off as an off comment. And then later on, like a day later, it sprung in my head. So I said, Bruno, why do you say it's such a shame? He says it, it, is, it is a divine act to be fed by God. To be fed by God, it's a divine act. He's a theologian, he's this brilliant guy. I just learn from him and hear what he says and then come tell you, right? And so he says, he says to me, he says to me, see the, the sin in the garden was not so much that they, that they ate the fruit. It wasn't so much that, it wasn't so much that they he, God told them, don't eat the fruit, and they ate the fruit. Or, you know, some people say they were stubborn, stubborn or rebellious, or maybe they were, maybe they weren't. I don't know. But, but the, the real essence of the matter is God had promised to feed them with His own hand. God had promised to give them a fruitful garden that would feed them. And they chose to eat from the hand of the serpent. Most sin, like almost every sin that we do, is sin because it's a substitution. I mean, the story of our lives is that we've traded what gives us life to what gives us death. But this action, and see, this is why the church is so beautiful, because it tries to embody these things. Someone was asking me recently, like, if, if we don't do our rites and rituals right, will God then not hold up his end of the bargain? Is it like a contract? Like, it's like a spell. It's like magic. Like, if you have to say, like, hocus pocus, this and that. But if you say, like, pocus hocus, it won't work. Like, you have to say all the bits and pieces correctly. No, because it's not magic. What we're doing in our rites and rituals in the church is we are declaring divine reality. We don't make the divine reality happen. It's not like if I do it right, then God will do it. But if I don't do it right, God will say, oh, forget it all. You all just go to hell. No, it's not like that. God is, God is the one who feeds us with his hand. 
And the church wants to give us that message. So you come to church Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, and something happens over there. You don't really know what's going on. People are saying things and things are happening, but then something is brought out. And then you come and you open your mouth and, and then and you are fed by the hand. You are fed into your mouth. Who does that? The priest. The priest is the ordained priest. The guy, guy wearing a black dress, has a beard, wears a hat. Is participating in a greater priesthood. He's, he's part, of a, part of a club. Not really, but let's just say. He's part of a, a greater entity. In the church, we say there's only one priest. We have only one priest. We have only one true priest who also happens to be our high priest. And his name is Jesus. All the other men in black are participating in his priesthood. Are acting with him. In his humility, he says, come, help me. I was praying with a really humble bishop once. I was like in the first couple of weeks of my priesthood. And this, I was, went to this church to pray a liturgy. And a bishop was there. So he leans over to me, goes to me. My father, and he tries to kiss my hand. He's a bishop. He tries to kiss my hand. I pulled my hand away. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know him well at all. And he says to me, your, your beard looks really short. Were you just recently ordained I said yes he said okay that was like right before the liturgy he prayed the liturgy as usual and distributed to us each a part but he was the celebrant and at the end he said come come there's a lot of people today come help me give communion and he took another manger another plate and he broke the body and and I felt so honored like he's the bishop I'm just like I'm like deacon plus two weeks you know Right? That's how I felt like when I was like a first year resident. You know, everybody looks at you and calls you doctor, and you're like medical student plus two weeks, you know? <laughs> like, when did I become the doctor, you know? When does everybody start looking at me to save their lives? And if it was very much the same experience, Jesus is doing the same, very same thing with the ordained priest. You're like, okay, well, Father John, this sounds all really nice and good. Um, and so thank you for explaining to us like why you're here and what your job description is and so on. But you're a little self-centered. You've been talking about yourself for the last 15 minutes. Like, what does this have anything to do with me? Actually, it has everything to do with you. Some cr critics, modern day critics of, of Orthodox practice and, and apostolic churches and the Catholic Church as well, made some statement that that our rites are very theatrical and that historically when Christianity came into play came into place and became the religion of the empire the theater disappeared and historically that's not perfectly accurate but it's close it is it is close because the theater wasn't only where they did like plays but it's also where they slaughtered Christians and fed them to the lions so that kind of when the empire became Christian that kind of became unpopular so the theaters kind of went out of business so to speak right the emperor put them out of business but right 
And so some people have said like the theater just moved from being in the theater to being in the church. And it's very theatrical. We get dressed up in costumes, you know, and we do all these things and we have our lines. I have my lines, you have yours, right? And it's all very theatrical. I don't really know how to answer that. I'm not smart enough to say something smart enough to answer that. But I'll tell you this, maybe it is theatrical. But if it is, if, if it is, if you do feel like it's a bit theatrical, it's, it's because it's here to demonstrate to you and to me what our life in Christ is meant to be. What are you talking about, Father John? You see, there's actually three priesthoods that are all part of the priesthood of Christ. There is the high priesthood of the one true priest, Christ, our God. There is an ordained priesthood, which is a sacrament, which is the guy, the men in black, wearing the black dresses, the beards, the hats. That's us. We're here to reveal an unseen reality. That's what a sacrament is. A sacrament is the physical manifestation of spiritual phenomenon that are otherwise unseen. You're baptized in water, you go under the water and you come out, the old man dies in the water, drowns in the water, a new one is born. You're chrismated, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, covered with oil like a seal all around you. If you put oil all over something, it's, it's, it's hydrophobic, water can't get to it. That stuff can't get to it anymore because there's a seal all around it. We're revealing spiritual phenomenon which are already there. So what's the spiritual phenomenon that is unseen, which is already there, which has to do with priesthood? You know what it is? It's you. It's you. Jesus, the true high priest, is the priest who offers himself. He takes himself and he puts himself on the altar of the cross and he is broken for us. And he says in John 6, my body is broken for the life of the world. He says to his disciples, take, eat, this is my body given for the life of the world. The priest takes the bread, puts it on the altar, which is very demonstrative. Praise participates with Christ and the Holy Spirit becomes his body. It is broken on the altar, given for the life of the world. You, the, or, the priesthood, the lay priesthood, it's kind of an oxymoron, right? The lay priesthood, come to the church, receive the body of Christ, go out into the world, are broken for, with love for each other and love for your colleagues and love for your neighbors and love for that annoying neighbor you have that keeps shoveling their snow onto your driveway and you go and say, hey, let me help you shovel your driveway. You break your back shoveling snow off their driveway when they're real, really... That's what Jesus teaches. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. And doing those commandments, you are going, you who have become the body of Christ, are going out into the world to be broken on the altar of love for your neighbor. You have become more like the high priest than the ordained priest. 
How so, Father John? He is the offering and the offerer. What's the offering? His body. Who is offering it? Christ is. What do I do? I take the offering, which is Christ's body, and I offer it to you. I am not the offering. I am the offerer, but not the offering. Does that make sense? When you go out into the world, you are like Christ. You are the offerer, and what are you offering? Yourself. Your love for your neighbor. This is the participation in the priesthood of Christ that all of us are called to do. So people frequently ask, why do you have to be ordained to be a deacon? Why can't women be deacons? Why can't women be priests? And so on. What I've explained to you does not annul other explanations to that question. But the reality is all of us are called to participate in the priesthood of Christ in different ways. All of us are. And we're not living the full potential of the life of Christ that we could be living. If we don't see ourselves as priests of the Most High Priest, the Most High God in this world, offering our very selves. In the garden, God said, let me feed you by hand. Let me prepare for you and let me take your very sustenance, what you need for life, and give it to you from my hand. Humanity said, we prefer to eat from the serpent. You and I are going back to the world and offering to the world that God may feed the world with your hand and mine, the love of God. This is what, this is the bread which endures forever that Jesus was talking about last week. This is the product of a life of self-denial and self-emptying and self-crucification crucifixion for your neighbor and for your loved one. This is what Lent is all about, still in a few weeks, but the church is preparing us. The church is getting the gears rolling and getting us ready. Receive Him and go out and give Him to the world. Glory be to God forever. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray.